Has the depth of coaching been lost in the coaching industry? Join me and Jessica Benstock for a deep dive conversation that will reveal the myths found within our coaching world. Now, in this very episode, you will learn what it really means to be a trauma-informed coach, and I promise you it's not what you think it is, the truth behind the pedestals that we place other leaders or even ourselves on, why no coach is truly a master coach, what it really takes to hold space as a coach, and what it truly means to be on a journey of mastery. Now, Jess Benstock is a seasoned coach, a somatic and subconscious healer and leadership mentor for six and seven figure female entrepreneurs and executives, and a teacher of trauma-informed multimodality coaching and facilitation techniques. She comes from an extensive background and pulls from 11 years of training and teaching in a wide array of healing modalities, including somatic hypnotherapy, subconscious reprogramming, trauma therapies, North, Central, and South American shamanic traditions, Western esoteric meditation, and so much more. This is a conversation that you're going to want to tune into and listen to the entire episode. I always thoroughly enjoy my conversations with Jess. Now, just as a reminder, my new book, Potent Leadership, will be released this summer. 2021. So yes, we finally have nailed it down to the summer. It is coming out this July. Get on the book waitlist at rubyframon.com forward slash book waitlist, or you can text hashtag potent leadership to 1781-336-0160 to get added to the waitlist that way. And for those of you on the waitlist, you will gain access to a very special intimate bonus offering that will give you FaceTime with me once the book launches. So be sure to get on the list. Now, if you dig this podcast and you want to connect on social media, just hit me up at I am Ruby on all the places. Alternatively, if you want to hit me up somewhere else, just go to social, go to telegram. Um, and you can find me there, rubyframon.com forward slash telegram. You can also connect with me via email. I highly encourage you to do this because we don't know what's happening in the world. Well, we do know what's happening in the world, my friends and social media is currently on the demise for now. So if you want to stay connected with me, just in case I get booted off, because Lord knows that I've been saying a little too much for a lot of people on social media, get on my email, get into my email community. Sorry. Um, that's rubyframon.com forward slash connect. Um, and alternatively, if you prefer phone and text messages, just text hashtag TTL to one seven eight one three three six zero one six zero, and we will stay in touch via text message. I know I just threw a lot at you, but those links and more will be in the show notes. So be sure to check for that. Now, whether you're a loyal thought leader or a brand new listener, please take a moment right now to hit pause and download a few episodes. I suggest three and drop a rating and review on iTunes. Now it is time to dive into the reason why coaches aren't masters with Jessica Benstock. Welcome to today's Thought Leader, where I'm challenging you to rise up, speak up, and create a movement. 
I'm your host, Ruby Fremont, and I'm here as a catalyst for you, the new generation of thought leaders. I'm a kick-ass life coach, a bullshit detector, and courageous communicator. I'll show you how to gain visibility, build a cult following, and create impact while increasing your income. Join me every week as I dive into raw and real conversations that will help you amplify your presence, influence, and impact. It's time to unapologetically do what you're here to do and do it your way. So get ready, thought leaders, and let's make shit happen. Hey, thought leaders, and welcome back to another episode of today's thought leader. And today I am super excited to be diving into a what should be a very insightful conversation with one of my dear soul sisters, Jessica Benstock. If you caught our IG live a while back, you'll know that today's conversation is going to peep behind the veils of picture perfect coaching. So we can see what really happens and what this world is really all about. Um, Jess, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you here. And I can't believe this is actually the first time you're coming on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know. It's, it's great. I mean, I was thinking I go back to our IG life still mm-hmm. and I'm like constantly like, wow, there's so many jewels. So I appreciate that you're the kind of person I can have those conversations with. And thanks for having me on. Of course. You mean the no bullshit conversations? The no fucking bullshit <laughs> conversations. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what really grinds my gears. That's pretty much the type of conversations that we have, which it's is true. Great. You know, they're healthy. We do it in a healthy way. <laughs> we do. We do. And you got to have the disruptors. If you don't have disruptors in a society, this society doesn't change. So our archetype mm-hmm. is very well needed, even though we ruffle feathers you need to ruffle feathers to evolve. So So whose feathers are we ruffling today? Uh, The feathers of quick fix culture, I would say fast money, fast growth, fast everything. It's like the diet culture of the coaching world. It's kind of how I've been thinking about it, you know, like just do this fad diet and all of a sudden you'll be super skinny, even though you're completely like emaciating your body and not serving and not building holistic integrity. So whatever, wherever you see that pattern, right. It's the same pattern. I think that we're going to talk about today, as far as, you know, I would say the West, the mind of Western culture versus the learning of holistic integration and the reverence for mastery that we don't see very much in our, in our little subculture right now. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, you and I both um, share a love for the word reverence. Mm-hmm. Let's just start there. It's such a good word. Um, but it, it, it's true when it comes to mastery, it's almost like people want the quick ride the quick path, a quick road to mastery, just so that they can call themselves X, Y, Z, you know, the master at the expert at the guru at, and there, there's no such thing. I mean, mastery is the journey itself and and people are so, I, I think the digital world has made it seem even more enticing to get things quick 
because we see the instant results, the instant ROI, the instant validation. And it's created this like instant noodle type of mentality, right? <laughs> like, well, I want that now. Like, like the, the microwave ramen noodles of the coaching industry. Right. Yeah. Like, okay. You mean, so if I pay 20 grand now I can be X, Y, Z. Awesome. Here's my check. Like that's pretty much what's going on. But in that we've lost integrity. We've, we've lost the reverence to the craft. We've lost our own self-respect, shall I say? (laughs) I mean, I think that's what it is. I mean, and I, I speculate on this and I think this is something that we talked about in our Facebook live before, but we don't really have elders. Mm-hmm. So there's no one to, to humble us mm-hmm. other than our peer to peer contact. And I think in, in tribes, like, right. When we had elders, they were the masters. They were the people that have cultivated that new respect, respect for the tribe, respect for craft, respect for the, the like interconnectedness that we have mm-hmm. to life. And they kind of upheld that, um, teacher role and they were cultivated and they're rare now, but when you, in my experience, when I've been in front of someone who's really spent time in mastery of their craft, especially interpersonal work, like internal work, mm-hmm. I get real humble real quick. Like for some reason, there's something in my internal experience. that's like, I'm going to shut up and listen mm-hmm. because their presence is so invoking of respect that has been for them has been earned over so many years. And I think that somewhere that becomes, we're starting to see what happens when like, we don't, we don't have a lot of that presence. And, um, and so as leaders, like one of the things that I think is our responsibility is to be the role models that we want to see in the world and invite people into those Mm -hmm. spaces, which I think that um, you and I are both on team team embodiment, team be the human that you want to be in the world or you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, what's missing, I think is the embodiment piece of it all too. Right. When we don't have, first of all, I, I love what you say about the elders and when we don't have those people, I mean, yes, we have our parents. Yes. We have our families, but we're talking about like the real wisdom keepers, you know, of the tribe. And when you don't have that, that leaves space for people to come in and assume that role without any sort of lineage whatsoever. And you can think of the online space like that, right? Like people are just coming in, putting whatever they want in their bios and assuming a role of whoever they want. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things too, about the, when when we get into talking about trauma informed and trauma trained only recently, did I realize there's a lot of people that are saying that they're trauma informed because I think, I think, right. If I, if innocent before proven guilty, right. Mm -hmm. In my mind, which is a very good practice for me because I have a part of me that can be like hyper judgmental of myself and Mm -hmm. it can reflect in other people. Mm -hmm. Um, but the thought that just because you know trauma exists doesn't mean that you're trauma informed. Like just because you know it's a thing that is present somewhere in the world does not actually mean that you know how to work with it, you know how to recognize it, you know how to, um, you know, allow someone to be in a container where it's held and accounted for. And a lot of the techniques, like if we look at the, um, I don't know, like the the bigger techniques that are more well known, like NLP. There's a lot of NLP that is not trauma informed that mm-hmm. kind of has this 
this match point with where spiritual bypassing can come in where it's Mm -hmm. like, we'll just take self-responsibility, full self-responsibility. And like, Mm -hmm. so that can bleed into people saying things like, well, you know, you got raped, but that was your, you created that. And it's like, we're going to (laughs) like kind of circle back around what's actually going on and what's actually Mm -hmm. being taught. And I think it's because, um, there's a certain standard that, that hasn't been totally set. And so because we are in the wild West and have this free reign, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not anti NLP, by the way, just mm-hmm. to put that, I use it sometimes in my work, but it's just what's informing the way you're using the tools, um, how you're holding the containers behind knowing the marketing and the sales calls. Mm-hmm. Like that's, what's going to really, I don't know. I think for us as, as leaders, it's going to make or break our reputation, but it's also like, I've been really thinking and sitting with this and I'm sure you'll vibe with this is like, if we are a service-based industry, are we in a service to self-based industry mm-hmm. or are we in a service to the people we're serving based industry? Because there's starting to be this interesting level of, am I doing this thing online to serve me mm-hmm. and my self-image and my bank account, which is fine. Go make your money, have your business. But like, is your focus more on you than it is on the client? And if it is, then, you know, that's where an elder would come in and be like, mm, you know, get your work, your act together a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's so true. Way. I write about that in my book and refer to, um, refer to it as self-conscious leadership. <laughs> chapter on this, but it's so true, you know, and, um, people, they may, I think everyone has the best of intentions. Mm -hmm. Let's just start there. But somewhere down the line, you get hooked on the validation, you get Mm -hmm. hooked on the results, you get hooked on what it does for you and how it fulfills your ego that that starts to, um, take priority, whether you're conscious of it or not in your mind. And so the servitude that you came in with now becomes a servitude to self Totally. that, you know, people, I know just because I know you, I know you're probably the type of coach that will call out your clients when you see you witness that. And I do, I do as well. And, and with love, you know, um, for the betterment of our clients to support them, but that's what we need more of right? Yeah. Is, is people who can really hold the space and witness and observe from a place of non-judgment, um, without trying to serve themselves first. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're not getting enough of. Really? Well, and I, I think a big, I think about this a lot, like, what is it that did that? And I think a big influx in it is, and I don't know if you know this yet, but you're going to love it if you don't. And if you already do, it doesn't spread. It wouldn't surprise me, but the, the marketing industry that mm-hmm. we currently know and that most people are taught in the coaching world was actually, so it has the basis of like you market to people's biggest fears. Mm-hmm. And so their root, you basically, you market to people's root chakra, which is mm-hmm. survival, fear, status, um, pain points, right. They're suffering. And that methodology of marketing was actually coined by Sigmund Freud's nephew, mm-hmm. who originally is, he's the grandfather of propaganda. Mm. 
And he was hired by royalty at some point to create a political campaign based on his uncle, which if you don't know who Freud is, a little bit of context, Freud is the one who mapped the entire human shadow. Mm-hmm. So like the taboos, the pulls, the, the hates, the fears, the manipulations, like mm-hmm. that was Freud's work. Mm-hmm. So he took the, this underbelly of human consciousness and was like, oh yeah, we could use this to make a political campaign. Right. And then his second kind of round of things after that was very successful was to um, teach people how to advertise. So he was the first one that took like a vacuum cleaner and was like, before a vacuum cleaner was advertised as it has this gear and this power and this motor, and this is why you want it versus like, this will make you a better housewife. Mm-hmm. This will make you more loved by your husband. And so he started wrapping in the identity of the person to the the product. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that people feel when they can do that at first is, oh, this works, right? It just mm-hmm. fundamentally does. Like it works on people. But there's this kind of thought that, well, all I have to do is learn to market myself and then I'm a successful coach because that's right. how it's taught online versus like, cool. But when someone's in your container and they have their core fears coming up and they had sexual abuse when they were 15 and they, you know, can't speak or can't embody something or can't really own their own space in, or whatever, delegate things in their team, whatever it is because of traumas that they went through or subconscious deep seated beliefs, because maybe they grew up in a family that was like, like half my clients grew up in a family where their parents were first generation here. Mm -hmm. So they're, programmed not only with the cultural aspects of, you know, the, um, the American meme mm-hmm. and their, their little subcultures and the class, the, you know, programming and pop culture, but they're also programmed with any kind of fear or survival or old cultural programming that their parents came in with, whether for good or for bad, there's beautiful aspects of other cultures for sure. But there's also a lot of like abuse and suppression of emotion, et cetera, mm-hmm. in a lot of different cultures. So it's like, you got to, if you don't understand that whole kind of anatomy of what's mm-hmm. going on inside of someone, um, you're only working with a small percentage of their, of their consciousness. So when we put marketing as the forefront in the coaching industry, mm-hmm. I think it's created that level of, um, immaturity that, that we're pointing at and talking about. Yeah. That's so well said. And, um, people really need to understand that, you know, I remember learning that method of promoting, like you speak to the fear, right. You Mm -hmm. speak to what they're scared of, what they don't want. And I mean, we're seeing, let's just be real. We're seeing this right now with all the propaganda that we as humanity are being faced with. They are targeting our root chakras right now as a whole. Let me just point that out. Um, and when you do that, you're bringing people in on a a frequency of fear, a frequency of scarcity, a frequency of desperation. Mm -hmm. And, um, can you enroll people that way? For sure. This is why it's still done. It works, you know, um, something I like to do. And, and this is how I roll is I prefer, going by what it is that they desire. Like, what is it that they envision? Mm -hmm. What is it that speaks to their heart, not their root? Mm -hmm. Um, can we meet them where they're at? Like right now, 
It's almost like we're so scared to meet each other where we're at right now. And in the coaching industry, we see this because it's almost like the coach needs to put themselves on a pedestal to um, show that they are better than or a stage up than the client or further down the journey than the client. So they almost have to position themselves that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also really interesting to observe. And I think it was, didn't you share this like really recently about like a few steps ahead? Okay. Please just address this. Cause yeah. it's so good. <laughs> so I made like a reel. I've been playing with making like TikToks and reels and, and I like making fun of things a bit, you know, bringing things to light, but essentially it was, I remember when I first learned and I love the first coach that we actually, that's why we know each other is we had the same coach and I love him to death. He's like soul brother. Let's just but drop his name. Amateo. He's um, yeah, Amateo. We love you. Amateo. Love you, Amateo. And at this time, this was like back in what, 2016, 2017, I think. Tw- yeah. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, I'm sure he had heard this quote from someone else and that's what but the more you get into this industry, the more you understand, like there's not very many quotes that are circulating and they tend to all kind of come from the same people. But he shared a quote that I've heard from many other people, which is um, to be an expert, you only have to be one step ahead of someone else because mm-hmm. to them, you are an expert. Mm-hmm. And my whole, the whole reel was essentially like, please stop saying this. Like, this is not true. But I remember at first when I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, like my imposter syndrome has gone. You know, I can, I can do things in the coaching world. Like I get, I get that it was kind of pushing people had just start, mm-hmm. but it also is a really good example of what takes out. Like, like that's saying like your training doesn't matter. Your self-mastery doesn't matter. Mm-hmm your ability to understand how to work with multiple different clients with different survival systems and different things that have come up. Doesn't matter. Like your embodiment doesn't matter. Your embodiment doesn't matter. Right. The work you've done on yourself doesn't matter. It's just, Oh, well, you know, one thing ahead. Mm-hmm. And if I'm calling myself a master, if I'm calling myself an expert, um, that is very different than like, let's say that I played the guitar and you played the guitar and I know like a couple more chord progressions than you would I call myself a guitar, a master guitar player or an expert guitar player? No, mm-hmm. like nowhere else would you do that. But right. for some reason, this rhetoric is being passed around of, of, you know, that, that all you need to do is be one step ahead to be an expert or a master. Right. And it, it downplays. And I think with the term reverence, like we lose reverence mm-hmm. for the work that it takes to cultivate oneself, to move through your own shit, to move through your own shadow, to hold space for the depth of someone else's stuff and not project on them or not go into your own internal questioning of yourself as a leader. Like that takes work. That's not just, Oh, I, I learned one more thing in my self-development book yesterday than my client knows, which is great if that's part of it. But if that's all you're relying on, like it's, it's a slippery slope as far as like how you can hold the integrity of a container. Yeah. And I don't think that it's bad to want to learn more either. I think it also pushes the rhetoric that, um, wanting to learn more makes you like, you have to feel less than or bad, or like there's an ego trip somehow involved in like being like, Oh, I should learn more. It's like, why is that in any other skill? that's a great thing. Yeah. Right. But in the coaching world, it's like, Oh, I don't need to learn more because 
you know, I've, I've got it on lock and it has to do with my persona. It makes me less than if I need to get more training or want to get more training. And I'm just like, Oh, I know it's, um, what's crazy is I remember working, I had a coaching call with rich Lippin, the prosperous coach. And he, I, he had asked me like, well, what do you want to do? I can't remember how he had positioned. He said, well, what, what do you want to do with the coaching world? And I said, well, I want to master coaching. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. Young Ruby, young mm-hmm. Jedi. I want to master coaching. And he looked at me for, for what felt like five minutes, but it was probably only like 10 seconds. <clears throat> and he tilted his head and he looks back at me and he's like, but why would you want to master anything? And I was like, I don't really know the answer to that question. <laughs> and he said, and if you'd master it coaching, what else would there be to learn? And I was like, huh, interesting. And that was what got me going on the whole idea that the, the journey itself is the mastery, the commitment to it, the devotion to it, the de- devotion to learning, to uncovering more like that that is mastery. And, um, one of the other things that came up was, you know, you've probably heard this and I think everyone who's listened has probably heard this at some point in time, if you're in or around the coaching industry, you know, well, you've gotten yourself from rock bottom so you can coach other people through their rock bottom. <laughs> oh, that's such a dangerous, I haven't actually and heard it's like, that. But that's oh so my God. Dangerous. Oh yeah. There is a, a, I mean, I've heard some very huge, uh, names, which I will not name here. Um, very huge, well-respected, well-known, uh, names in the coaching, personal development, spiritual development world say this. And, um, look, just because you've peeled yourself off of rock bottom, just because you have, um, you know, come out the other end through multiple suicide attempts or through abuse or, um, healed through rape, trauma, anything like that doesn't mean that you are equipped to coach someone else through it. Um, coaching is a true skill set, And that's what I think people don't really comprehend, like somehow, and I don't know if you get the sense, but somehow coaching got uh, mixed up with like consulting or advising or even like, well, I can be the friend that just knows better and I can walk you through this. That's it. That's totally it. And that's one of the things that I, I, cause I've been like piecing apart, like, okay, what it, like, how do I understand this? Like, why, how do we get here? What's going on? And one of the things that I hear uh, to the point of like consulting, I have heard so many people in the past year that come, for some reason they come to me probably cause like you probably have this too. Like I'm a safe space. They know they can say anything. I'm not going to, you know, judge them. I'm not going to tell anyone their secret safe with me, but unfortunately they're coming to me and saying, yeah, I have this coach that, that they just talk the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like I say two things and then they just like spend the rest of the call just talking at me and giving me advice from their perspective and telling me stories about their life. And, and I think part of the reason why I was like astonished one is because, oh, that's what's happening in people's containers. Like, how do you expect Mm -hmm. that to change anyone? Someone could go watch TV, you know, Mm -hmm. that that same thing or call any other friend. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like someone they're not paying thousands of dollars for. Yeah. And then two, 
um, there's this interesting thing where people, I think, because we're still not yet at a collective emotional maturity where we can have conscious confrontation that is very real. Like people were afraid to tell their coaches this mm-hmm. because they didn't want to stand in the fire of mm-hmm. that conversation or they hadn't cultivated something in themselves. So they were afraid to actually bring it up in the sessions to which I had to coach them through Hey, like, let's be present with that emotion of fear so that you can stand in your own self-worth enough to ask for the kind of help that you need directly. Um, and, and if some of these people didn't, some of these people did, but it makes me think about, well, fuck, how many people are having clients that aren't even telling the coach, Hey, this isn't helping me. And then the coach is building this like unknown shadow reputation for not being helpful. Right. And that all comes from the fear of confrontation, the fear of understanding how to grow. And, and again, like on the coaches end, the fear of, of proper training to understand how to get someone from point A to point Z in a transformational process. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't really, I think these, these catchphrases we're talking about Mm -hmm. are more powerful than we, that I gave them credit for mm-hmm. anyways, of people being like, oh yeah, it's like, it's fine. And I'm doing it. And I can just trust that this is my process and journey. And to a point, totally hundred mm-hmm. percent, but along the hero's journey, if we don't have like what you're talking about of being an eternal student, mm-hmm. so what I call it, like the mastery of, well, I, I call it that, but someone mm-hmm. else told me that, but it is like this I'm going to continue to learn. I'm going to continue to grow because this is my passion for the rest of my life. This is like my life path. This isn't a quick fix, make a million bucks in a year and then do whatever I want thing. It's a, I'm here to serve people. So I'm going to continue to transform myself, continue to learn transformational work Mm -hmm. and, and have that be a part of my continued education, training, life path and that like value it for some reason, I don't understand why, but it feels like the value set of that isn't being taught mm-hmm. very frequently. No, it's not. Again. And I think it's the instant noodle effect. Yeah, like people just want to get this quick, you know, and a lot of, I mean, I think me and you have a similar, um, have similar experiences in our coaching businesses in that, like we often coach the people who have been in other coaching containers yeah. that have not really benefited them. Well, I or call if, it coach trauma now. Yeah, it's definitely coach trauma. I mean, just in the last four weeks, I've had two calls with people who have with who have worked with two separate coaches. These are two different people who have been shamed and belittled belittled by their coaches. Um, and the coach in their eyes thinks that this is a way to motivate the client, but it's not. In fact, it it's compounding the trauma that they already have and leaving them feeling very unseen, very unheard, very unacknowledged. Um, and it's just the shit that is going on is so out of integrity and so disempowering. And at some point, you know, with the coaching industry becoming this bubble that it now is like at some point we need to stop and say like, Hey, are we actually doing what's best for our clients here? Are we here for our clients or are we just here to prove a point? to prove that we're the best coach or we're the best at this, or we're the best at that. Like, 
what are we doing here? Right. And like, we, it's hard to understand that without having the vantage point that we have of people mm-hmm. having these, these followed experiences, because all you're going to see marketed online is people's wins. Like right. no one's sharing messages on their stories of like having to break up with their coach or a client breaking mm-hmm. up with them or, you know, and a lot of clients won't even go that far. Like these two people yeah. that I had calls with that want to coach with me, they both didn't have those courageous conversations with their coaches because yeah, they well, feared. Yeah, they did. They were scared. Mm-hmm. And, uh, with one of them, I, I coached her through that process and she ended up approaching it via an email and just closing yeah. out the container on her own so totally. that she didn't have to deal with a confrontation via zoom or anything like that, just to keep herself safe. And totally. the fact that we have to do these things, it, it's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, we're, the coaching industry is here to help. Um, but I think that, um, what we're seeing now is it, it's actually doing a lot of damage. And I think that one of the things that we're at the kind of like, cause in the like long run, like I guess the the coaching industry as an industry, not as like these few, like the Tony Robbins and the rich Litvins and the, like these guys were like long before there was a whole industry of us doing it. And then now it's, it's, you know, this evolution of like, Oh shit, we're still in like kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a bunch of the kindergarten kind of version of it that doesn't have leader because even like someone like Tony Robbins or Rich Lipman, they're amazing, but they're not really who people like there's, they're who people are following on certain principles. Yes, maybe, but they're not, um, they're kind of like too many. How do I say that? Like, I almost want to say like levels or layers away from Mm -hmm. what we see commonly on social media. Yeah. And so, and yeah. And that, that what we see commonly on social media, that's mm-hmm. important to point out, you know, for, for example, like Rich Lippin, he didn't even have a social media presence okay. until like, I think three or four years ago. Yeah. And, and so many people who are in on the journey of mastery are not showing everything, mm-hmm. you know, and I've had clients come to me and say things like, well, you know, I've put in this much work and I put in this much effort. Why this, why isn't it coming back to me? Or why aren't people seeing this or you know, and I think me and you have felt that at some point, right? Like, why don't people see this? Um, And so much of what we put into the journey of mastery is not going to be seen and it's not meant to be seen. It's, it's meant to be experienced in then our coaching containers. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and the presence, I think with Mm -hmm. which we, we can show up on things like, like your podcast or like posts that we have, like there's this, and this is what our last live was about, which is so fucking good. Like this fundamental feeling of depth mm-hmm. and cultivation in someone's essence, when they talk, like how they've actually embodied walking through hell and back, like going into their human suffering and, and finding the light of their soul and learning to wield that light independent of anything else going on, choosing their healing, choosing the road that's less, less traveled but that actually gives you the power to guide people in really powerful, powerful ways, which is, you know, you're not, you're not going to see it because it's hard to express. And even when people do, it's like, it doesn't even really convey the depth. Like you can't, there's certain things that you just can't share on Instagram Mm -hmm. to convey those things. But what you can share is your presence and your essence. And I think that that, you know, with people like Tony Robbins or Rich Lippin, like 
it's kind of unmistakable when you listen to them talk, you're like, Oh, this person must have done a significant amount of work on themselves to cultivate Mm -hmm. what they've cultivated. It's obvious in the, in their interactions with people. Like if you see Tony Robbins ever pull someone on stage or, or someone in the crowd, it's obvious in that interaction. And then also in the, you know, I, I've gone to so many rich living events only Mm. to like this, my sole purpose to watch him coach people. Yeah. Because it's such an art. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I mean. It's like, I think that's what to everyone listening, this is what Jess and I are talking about. It's yeah. that presence is the, the embodiment of, um, it's the ability to even just hold space and not say anything. I mean, that's something that uh, a lot of my clients at this recent retreat had commented on. It's like, you can just sit there and be silent for so long. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, how does that make you feel? but it's allowing space for the the client to feel uncomfortable and be in their discomfort like these are the little skills that we pick up not just through like a learning through certification but also through the experience of knowing of doing this over and over and over again of working with different types of clients who range with different backgrounds this is the journey of mastery and so for you can definitely call yourself a coach in your bio, release some courses and establish yourself as an online expert. Mm -hmm. But is that what you really want? Like what is at some point in time, you have to decide what do you really want? Do you want the notoriety or do you want the depth? And don't get me wrong with depth. You can create notoriety. Yeah. Right. It's going to be a whole different ball game. Totally different. Yeah. And that brings me to this topic that me and you love talking about because we've both experienced it firsthand. And it's like the pedestal, the fucking pedestal that we put people on. (laughs) They're so glamorous and amazing. And they're like my demigod. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they do something human and they fall off it. And then I have to realize that, you know, it's actually on me to be able to cultivate my own discernment with where I'm giving my power away, which I think is it's, it's extra hard, right? Mm -hmm. The pedestal is extra hard when it comes to social media. Um, Mm -hmm. and it is like, it's like, I I think one of my main things with the pedestal, I'm I'm very curious about your, your experiences with this too, and thoughts on it is I've had to, I've had to really see like, is the person that I'm putting on the pedestal taking that same energy that I'm giving to them and handing it right back to me and going, actually, I don't need that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But you can take that yourself because that's you and you need that. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to stop. Like, it's not that they're not respecting themselves. It's not that they're not knowing that they're really fucking powerful. It's that they don't need my power to feel powerful. And they're holding space for me in a way where they're reflecting back to me, the thing that I'm attempting to give away to them in order to go deeper into my own embodiment versus them going, Oh yeah, yeah, I am. Like, you can just give me that power. You can give me that praise. Mm -hmm. And and it's not that they won't take praise either. Like, it's not that they're like a martyr Mm -hmm. or they're just like, Oh, don't look at me. They're like, yeah, I'm embodied. I know I've done my work. And like, I I'm no, I'm not interested in being a guru. I'm not interested in being any higher than you. I'm interested in you rising to sit on your own throne next to me instead of me being on a throne in my own little world that you then like praise me for. Mm -hmm. Um, and I find that to be very 
rare, unfortunately. Mm. Well, I think that you're describing almost like two different things. Like I think there's um, part of what you're describing is the embodied leader, right? The person who's like, I don't need your praise. I don't need this. I'm fully embodied. I I know where I stand. I know what I have to offer. Um, It's us who puts them on the pedestal then. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, one yeah. thing, but then there's also the pedestal leaders, the ones who place yeah. themselves on the pedestals and feed off the validation yeah. and, and use the, the, um, you know, the reaction from the crowd, from the audience as fuel, like they literally yeah. feed off of it. Um, and they, they strive to maintain the I'm better than you mentality. And here's why. And that comes from like a self-conscious place. Um, So I think there's two different things, right? Like we can put people on pedestals who are not on pedestals. They're just fucking rocking it at what they're doing and fully embodied and awesome. And then there's those who have put themselves on pedestals, make it feel very shiny. And to an outsider, like I've experienced this. I, I actually worked with a mentor, you know, five figure investment. It was huge that I'd put on a pedestal that also he, he had put himself on a pedestal and in working together, I realized, oh, this is what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. A lot of self-conscious behavior here. And, and he's feeding off of the reactions and the validation and, and which matches the one to pedestal him too, from like right. our insecurities. Yeah. And, and that highlighted something in me, like that was such a gift. I was like, oh God why am I putting these people on pedestals? Because I feel less than I feel inferior. I don't feel good enough. Well, what if I just work on my own shit over here and stop putting (laughs) people on pedestals and stop hiring people on pedestals for a minute? Let me just chill the fuck out. But you know, that was a real gift for me to be able to see that up close. But yeah, I think that there's a difference. You know, I think that we can put people on pedestals and people can place themselves on pedestals. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things that's, that's harder to recognize, um, at face value on social media, but is so big in this kind of thing that we're, we're bringing out of the darkness in this conversation of painting a picture of with why are people having like these hard conversations or not wanting to have these hard conversations? Why are people having to have these conversations (laughs) with their practitioners, with their coaches? Um, but also recognizing that, and I've found this more interesting in the past six months, there's been something in the, there's a couple different main coaches who are like seven, eight figure coaches who just recently created that for themselves, monetizing their, um, their following, which there's nothing wrong with monetizing a following, but the feeling behind it, and this is specifically been in the female empowerment space mm-hmm. where the feeling behind it is you could one, one day be like me, I'm doing this and we're going to do this together. And, you know, we're going to lift each other up, but, and then I'm going to teach you how to do what I'm doing, which Mm -hmm. is essentially, it sounds great. Like I'm all, I want women to be in complete alliance because we need to be, if that's the, if the world's going to heal, that's how it's going to happen in my opinion. But at the same time, the energetic behind this thing, whatever it is, is much more taking than it is giving because mm-hmm. it's saying you could one, it's not saying like you could one day be like me, but the energy is like, you're going to be like me someday and you're going to get to do what I do someday, which essentially is just a fractal of pulling on people's insecurities and Rich saying, 
Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's saying like, oh, well, you don't have like the energy is you're lacking something Mm -hmm. versus I'm going to reflect to what you have within you. And even though the words sound like the latter, the energy behind it is just this kind of perpetuation of, of the same thing that's keeping women disempowered from each other Mm -hmm. because we compare and we contrast and we've learned to fight against each other and we want to be each other. And, and really like, it's not addressing that core wound. And I think it's, it's harder to recognize at first, Mm -hmm. but I think a big key to to your experience, if you can learn, if anyone listening here can Mm -hmm. learn from what Ruby just said, she paid five figures to learn that lesson. Yeah, You don't have to pay that much money to listen to us talk. So listen up because if you feel like you are less than the person you are paying, and if you feel like you need to pay them to find some deep, dark secret that they have, that they're unwilling to tell you just directly, then, and if you feel more insecure from that, most likely the way that they're marketing is from a place of their own insecurity. And the thing that it's speaking to is your own insecurity. Mm -hmm. And so if you can spot that quick, it's really, really key and important. If they can't tell you what they're going to deliver to you, it's, it's most likely like, I don't know, there's, there's things that get wrapped up in that, in that dynamic where it's very elusive. And I just hope that less people have to spend the amount of money that you spent to, to learn that lesson. Cause I know a lot of people that have spent more money than you had to learn that lesson. which is fucking crazy to me. That's someone's mm-hmm. life savings. That's a Porsche. That's, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, it's something that could be spent on like a down payment for a house to be like, okay, wait, hold up a minute. And clearly you're like, you're a Phoenix. So you're going to rise through it and like turn it into fuel. But unfortunately not everyone has that level of willpower available to them. Yeah. If I was not the human that I am and have done the work that I've done, I could have been in that situation and left feeling less than. Yeah. Yes. Um, And, and instead I left feeling super empowered, um, with a huge realization that supported me on my own journey. Mm-hmm. And the, let me just say this, like that doesn't make this specific coach bad or wrong or anything. He's just on his own journey, period. And that's what we have to remember, right? Like at the end of the day, everyone's human. Everyone's kind of just doing their thing, navigating yeah. life to the best of their abilities, right? Totally. totally. And, and and that's why, um, you know, in this whole idea of like a coach, um, if any one that you're working with in personal development somehow leaves you feeling less than like exit the building now, you know, uh, exit the building immediately, uh, just leave the container because that's not how it should be. The coach should be meeting you where you're at, should be able to see you where you're at, should be able to recognize you and acknowledge you where you're at. Um, versus making you feel shitty for where you're at. Cause that is not, that is not helpful to anyone. That's not conducive to your growth at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. And it's like, like one of the most powerful things that I found is when people can hold me. And again, like the people that I found that can hold me the most and the deepest have done a significant amount of work on themselves and holding themselves in their own insecurities and challenges and and pains and dark places and also 
have, have learned how to properly work with different nervous systems, different traumas, different experiences, different emotional charges, understanding the programming behind different cultural backgrounds or contexts, like when they hold me, it's still confronting. It's not that I don't have the experience of, oh fuck, like I feel like my shit's coming up and projecting on them. And I feel less than and I'm questioning myself. Cause when someone holds a lot of presence, it's mm-hmm. normal to be like, oh shit. Like when your clients that you're talking about at your retreat, like when you sit in real pure silence and you're just mm-hmm. completely present with someone, that's intimidating as mm-hmm. fuck to bring it can poke all the triggers. Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally, totally. And and so it's not that that doesn't happen, but it's mm-hmm. it's that it's not coming from a place of them trying to, they're not putting you down. No, they're not manipulating you. It's for your benefit. Exactly. Bring the things to the surface, to the surface. It's like, um, something that came to mind is when I think a lot of coaches just want to fix things for their clients so that Mm -hmm. it can show up as like a good story on the track record. Like that's what it really, I need to prove myself. So I need to fix this thing. Whereas can you just hold the client? Like, can you just hold the client where they're at? Let them cry without trying to fix it. Yeah. Which I think go through the process. Yeah. Well, if you haven't done your own emotional work, like I did a IG live a while ago about like the thing that when I was 18 and I went to my first hypnotherapy training and I didn't know that there was the word therapy at the end of hypnotherapy. I was like, past lives, that sounds fun. I'll be trained to be a hypnotherapist. And then on day two, they're like, okay, so we're going to talk about what happens when you work with someone that has childhood abuse. And I was like, excuse me, like what? And so people are like crying and rageful and the expression of grief and intensity in the room was so raw. And I remember this visceral experience of fear and like, wait, you got to make it better. Like, like calm them down. Like it's okay. And then realizing after 24 hours of that in that course, or whatever a day I was, I was experiencing my own disconnection really because of our culture's disconnection from emotions to my own emotions and my own depth. And I think that that is pretty common that in an unconscious way and people of like, when emotion comes up, we're not supposed to, we're supposed to like make it all pretty again, mm-hmm. make it go away, calm it down, put it over there when most people, you know, were coming out of a culture that was like, Oh, your emotions are weak. They're bad. They're wrong. Mm -hmm. Shove them away, cope with them. And that's probably why 99% of people that come to most coaches are doing that because they didn't process something. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have the tools or the space holding abilities to like wield presence in those spaces and your own shit comes up, Mm -hmm. you know, most likely unconsciously you're going to go into the like, just make it better, put a pretty bow on it, like make it go away. Okay. We're done. Like that's enough. Mm-hmm. Like something internal is like, and that's enough. We're going to, yeah, we're going to no. know. And then the, let them go well. through that process because it's so powerful. I mean, there's been, I, I do this. I love doing this at retreats. And if someone's crying, it's like letting everyone else in the room know, like, let them be in their process. Don't mm-hmm. even pass them a Kleenex. Like just that one thing, like passing them a Kleenex, like takes them out of their experience. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they have to be like, Oh shit, I'm in a room full of people versus like letting the whole thing. Right. Fully move Mm -hmm. in the Ross expression. Have you heard of, um, Martin Pritchtel? I'll I'll send you some of his stuff. He's a mate. You'll love him. 
he has a book called the smell of rain on dust, which mm-hmm. is just an epic name. Mm-hmm. He talks about how the, one of the big reasons in our culture that there's so many issues with mental health is because we have multiple generations of ancestors that haven't been grieved for. Mm-hmm. And because the U S culture is completely scared of the full expression of grief. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's ugly. It's raw. You're wailing. Like no one wants to hear the sounds that come out of your body when that happens. But because we've been so afraid of those sounds, because we've been so afraid of how to be together in those moments, we've lost touch with something that's now affecting us generations down the line. And it's exactly what we're talking about. It's that visceral feeling of like, don't make it better. Stop trying to make it better. Like let them just for once in their life have an undomesticated emotional expression. And for that, you kind of have to have had your own and know what it's like to Mm-hmm. be in a room full of people and like, blah, or even just one-on-one, like be witnessed in that. Yeah, totally. Um, I can't believe how time flies. We're at the, we're at the end of this episode, <laughs> but we could talk forever as you can yeah, see. Um, Jess, thank you so much for just sharing your presence and your wisdom. And I know, I know that our listeners are going to want more of you. Um, so why don't you tell them where they can find you? And I think you might even have a little something, something for them. It will. Yeah. By the time this podcast is out, I will have a free webinar on space holding. So cultivating masterful space holding, Mm -hmm. and you can find me predominantly if you want like more direct me, find me on Instagram. So it's just instagram.com slash Jessica dot b-e-n-s-t-o-c-k and i'll have that link and all the links in the show notes fyi all the other links and then the other one will the the webinar will just be jessicabenstock.com slash space holding webinar and that'll be most like when this comes out it'll most likely be a replay i may do another live one um on that same page the first end of the first week of may So DM me if you're wanting to be in that and, um, you can sign up for it on that, on that link page as well. And then all of this is also prefacing the fact that I have a coaching certification, which is a, it's called the Phoenix path coaching Institute. And it is a six month intensive training. There's two retreats in person, one at the beginning, one at the end. And it's very much an intensive training on understanding um, childhood development, understanding the psychological things that develop in our systems, how to target things like um, different traumas in the body, how to intake a client so that you recognize their traumas everything that goes into being trauma informed. So regulating someone's nervous system, noticing when things come up in their bodies, somatic techniques, there's going to be subconscious healing techniques, hypnosis training, trauma healing training, emotional derepression, like, like the level to which I'm throwing everything that I've trained in into this is pretty phenomenal. And it's, I've trained practitioners before. So this is the most intensive training that I've ever done, but essentially it's been created to target what Ruby and I are talking about so that, you know, we, we birth generations of leaders who are intensively trained like Jedi ninjas to hold space Mm -hmm. in these containers in a way that's not only upholds integrity, but upholds your own reputation as a coach, and then allows you to give to 
independent of niche, whoever you want to give to, because it's essentially what it trains you is the anatomy of your psychology, upbringing, subconscious emotions, mental, and sometimes even going into physical illnesses and pain. Mm. Um, so yeah, that is open. We're open for enrollment until May 17th. And you can find out more about that on my website, jessicabenstock.com slash training. Awesome. Um, highly recommend that program for anyone wanting to deepen their coaching skills or enter this world of coaching. Um, that link will be in the show notes along with everything else. Jess, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you so much too. I'm so grateful that I know you and thank you so much for having me on here and trusting me with your audience too. Oh, of course. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining me and Jess on this episode of today's thought leader, where we're activating, we're inviting you to activate the leader within. If you dig this episode, please do leave us a five-star review and share the episode with a friend um, and check back on Monday for a brand new episode of today's thought leader.